0: The Baltimore Ravens lose a close matchup in a game they probably should have won against the Jaguars. That has us asking questions about their true ability to be a contender. And after Sunday, love hurts. Do the Green Bay Packers have a quarterback decision following the uh, close loss to the Jalen Hurts-led Philadelphia Eagles? We'll talk about that and more with the one and only Pro Football Network senior NFL analyst, Mr. Trey Wingo, who's going to join me right now
1: what's up buddy how we doing
0: we're good we're good uh uh trey um typically i love to as soon as you come on the show we go you know are we gonna need a bigger boat but i don't see that where are you at these days uh
1: no we are at the uh hilton logan airport hotel uh we're beginning our travels west we're flying out tomorrow morning so the idea of yeah, uh, two choices uh, get up at 2 30 in the morning to get here for a 7 a.m flight or get up here tonight and chill out, and then uh, make it easier. So we, we went with that, and uh, this will be the last show I do from you from the Eastern time zone, and we will be talking to you uh, from the uh, beautiful, beautiful uh, mountain area of uh, Rancho Mirage uh, starting next week.
0: Yeah, I can't, I can't wait for that. That, that This is always starts my favorite time of the year when we do our shows together because <laughs> you're in the sunny, uh, beautiful landscapes, and, and I am in the gray, dreary northeast for the rest of the winter. So uh, thanks for
1: that. We all make choices. That's true. But cheers to your gray. I
0: appreciate you. So, uh, we are, we're going to get going here. Uh, Always time to give uh, give our audience an education when we start off this show here at Football Insiders each and every week. It is time to learn. And, and Trey, the first team that we're going to talk about here um, in terms of our belief here is the Tennessee Titans. Tennessee yeah. Titans lost a game uh, against the Cincinnati Bengals this week in which they could have cemented themselves as they had last season as a true contender. They scored less than 20 points, just over two touchdowns with 16 points, and they lost to last year's AFC champion, Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, Is this a game that gave us a story about, about both teams Trey, Do you believe in the Tennessee Titans?
1: Well, it it did. And it didn't. And to answer your question, I do believe in the Tennessee Titans. And because uh, the reason I'll I'll say that is because I've seen them do it before. Like Tennessee never wins pretty. They're going to win ugly. And, you know, it's like the old uh, Mark Twain line, never get into an argument with an idiot. They'll drag you there to, to their level and beat you with experience. That's what the Titans do, which is I need to preface this by saying they're not idiots, but they get you to where they want you to play, and they're in every game. I mean, they they went to overtime with the Chiefs with, without having a wide receiver or have a single reception. This is the genius of Mike Vrabel. Like Mike Vrabel is far and away the best branch of the Belichick coaching tree, even though he never coached under Bill, but he played under Bill, and this is where he learned everything that he's doing now. It's it's not even close. Mike Vrabel does more with less than any other coach in football. So I absolutely still believe in the Titans. Now their running game was non-existent against the Bengals. I think King Henry had 38 yards on 17 carries, like two point-something yards per carry. So give the Bengals defense all the credit in the world. Uh and they actually had a chance to potentially pull out a win uh when the uh when the Bengals Took a field goal off the board because the the Titans bum rushed the center, which you cannot do. And I saw your tweet about that, by the way, Brett Yaros.
0: Did, did you see my reply to that tweet before you crucify me for that? Uh, for the initial, I, I, I will point. not.
1: I did not. I, I just to be fair, and I, this this is going to sound like the douchiest thing of all time, but when you have as many followers as I have, I don't rarely <laughs> look at the mentions because if oh, I looked right. at the mentions all day and responded to the mentions, I would literally have time for nothing else in this, my day. This is true. So, I, so yes, we, I did what was your response? I'm just curious. Because well, for those all, that don't know, hold on, let's let's set yeah, the stage. Sure. You, you you tweeted, I can't believe the referees did that and let that decide the game. This was a joke and a travesty. Correct. And I retweeted it by saying, I can't believe the, the Titans committed that ridiculous penalty. It's a joke and a travesty that they did that to lose the game. Hashtag fixed it for you.
0: Correct. Now for and what I want everyone to understand is uh unlike Trey, I don't have the follower count that you have, my friend. And so when you quote tweet me, which I always love because it, it, yeah. I gain a lot of followers that way. Um, but I also get like the angry, they don't respond to you. They click into the tweet of mine that you <laughs> quote, and then they start coming yeah. after me. Um, yeah. But I had, I had also tweeted clarification, you know, they, they, in the game, they called the penalty on, on number 97. His name was Strong. And when I watched the broadcast replay, that's who I was watching. and And he did not commit the penalty. They called it on the wrong player. So when I watched right. that, it, That happens all the
1: time, by the way. Yeah. The refs get the number wrong literally, I would say, on a, a third of every penalty called.
0: Right. So so when I watched it, I watched 97 actually engage with uh, Ted Karras, who was the, the, the left guard to the long snap right. in the field goal right. unit. And I'm like, what? That's not a penalty. He didn't even touch the center. He's with the guard. It actually yeah. – then when I went back and looked, number 98 did commit the penalty. It was Simmons. Penalty, and it was a good yeah. – it was a good yeah. –
1: all right, so, so anyway, just personal aside there. By the way, I love it when I get this close to the camera. Um, yeah, look, I, I believe in the Titans because I believe in Mike Vrabel. They're never going to be pretty. It's never going to be right. attractive. It's never going to be, ooh, that's the way I want to see my football played. But they win a lot. They were the number one seed last year in the AFC. Like, people forget. They were the number one seed in the AFC. They're not going to be the number one seed in the AFC this year. But no. they're going to win that division. They're going to win that division going away, the AFC South, and they're going to get a home playoff game. So, you know, I, I, I will always believe in the Titans because I believe in Mike Grable. Are
0: the are the NF are the the AFC South and the NFC South the worst two divisions in football? Is the South region of the NFL the worst region in in the NFL?
1: Um, they might be. And listen, you could make a very compelling argument that you take one team away from the AFC West and that division sucks. Yeah, But that one team is so incredibly good that it makes it hard to say that. Obviously, we're talking about the Kansas City Chiefs, and we'll get into their huge game with the Bengals a little bit later. Um, But yeah, like the South divisions are terrible. They are not good at all. There's not a single team in the NFC South with a winning record. We'll get to that in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, the the Fightin' Jeff Saturdays have come up short in a couple of games. Some of that, you know, that the fact that they didn't use the timeouts uh, was a problem for me on Monday night. Uh, the previous week, if they had just not – Matt Ryan had not taken a 75-yard sack after a first and goal, they might have won <laughs> that game against the Eagles, uh, which, which creates some of the problems that, well, the, uh, that the Colts have with their quarterback at the moment. Yeah. But yeah, the AFC South is not. Although I gotta say, like, the Texans don't win a lot, but they're in almost every game. They got behind big to the uh, to the Dolphins, and then they made a game of it. Like I give I give Lovey Smith and company all the credit in the world. Then there's the Jags who had that had that nice. Uh, comeback win over the uh, over the Baltimore Ravens, which we'll also get to in a second. Yeah. I think the NFC South, in terms of one loss record, is far worse than the AFC South. I think there actually might be some decent teams in the AFC South. I'm not sure if there's a decent team in the NFC South.
0: Yeah, the teams in the in the AFC South feel like a year or two away from being really competitive. The NFC South feels like a dumpster fire. Right without salvation,
1: right now it is. It
0: um, so but you did you did mention one of those teams, the Jacksonville Jaguars, with an upset victory over the Baltimore Ravens, and that's the next team I want to ask you about. Following that loss, Trey, do you still believe in the Baltimore Ravens? Do you have doubts, or are we in a situation because of that loss? We need more information.
1: I have doubts about the Baltimore Ravens. Um, you know, they had they already had their win at home against the Bengals on the Sunday night, I can't remember what week it was, uh, you know, 1917 two point win. But let excuse me, let's just talk for a second about what we've seen from the Ravens. They blew a 21 point lead in the fourth quarter against the Miami Dolphins. They blew a 17-point first half lead against the Buffalo Bills. And they blew a nine point fourth quarter lead against the Jacksonville Jaguars this past Sunday. You need to win. Like when you're up by that, you need to close. You need to step on somebody's throat and say, eff it, this game is ours. They do not have that, which is really weird. And we've talked about this before on this show, because they have the ultimate closer in the league in Justin Tucker. He almost made that 67-yarder, <laughs> like that would have won the game. Like people are actually expecting, oh, of course Justin Tucker's making the 67-yard field goal. Why wouldn't he make a 67-yard field goal? Um, so they need to find a way to step on somebody's throat. Uh, and you know, if we're being honest about it, if we're really being honest about it, Lamar Jackson hasn't played well for a while. Yeah. He's played okay, but he hasn't played. Top tier quarterback, take my team where they need to be. Uh, Josh Allen against the Lions, Patrick Mahomes against the Chargers, Patrick Mahomes against anybody. Uh, you know, where guys, it's on me, I'm taking us home, I'm delivering us to the promised land. It's what we're going to do. Yeah. And you can obviously make the case, well, they did get that score, uh, and, and then it was up on the defense, and that that's absolutely fair and absolutely accurate. But in some of those other games, close the deal, like in that we talked about that game against uh in that game against the bills in yep. October, right? They went for it on fourth down. They threw an interception in the red zone. Uh, well, at least a field goal probably takes care of that game for you. It was the yeah. worst case scenario. They went for it on fourth down. Not only did they not get the points, not only did they, uh, not back up the, the bills, but because they threw an interception in the end zone, it came out to the 20 yard line. So it was the trifecta of disaster. Um, we've seen too much of that from the Ravens and Lamar Jackson this year. So I, uh, I do have some doubts about what Baltimore's actual uh potential is in 2022.
0: Yeah, and the more the more those doubts creep up for the the Ravens themselves, the the more that 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 begins to shift into doubt about Lamar Jackson, not as a player, not as a primetime superstar athletic freak that you want to watch every Sunday, but as a guy who can lead your franchise. I mean, look, what are you doing after the game? with some of the tweets that you're putting out there responding to, to random strangers, right? You know, it's part of that, you know, a lot of it just goes into, into that picture. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens with him. There, there's another team, all right, uh, in the AFC that we've also spoken about uh, that we noticed that Patrick Mahomes being able to lead his team against in, in dramatic fashion. That's the Los Angeles Chargers, Trey. Um, you know, again, a, a team that had high expectations coming in reloaded that defense specifically to stop Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas city chiefs. Uh, so far at this point in the season, do you believe in them as a playoff contender? Do we have doubts? Do we still need more?
1: I'm going to need to see more and I'm leaning towards doubts because at the end of the day, when all is said and done, the chargers are at six and five, but they've got to find a way to make it into the postseason. right? We saw what happened a year ago when, uh, when we had the situation where, you know, uh, they had the winner get in game against the Raiders week 18. And then, of course, it was the do we play for the tie, all that kind of stuff. Right now, if you're looking at the Chargers, they're the nine seed, because if we stack this up, the Chiefs are at one, the Dolphins are at two, the Titans are at three, the Ravens are at four. Uh, and then the Bills are five, the Bengals are six, the Jets are seven, the Patriots are eight, the Chargers are nine. Um Justin Herbert is a transformational talent. Like he's a generational talent. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Yeah. But at the end of the day, the coaching staff and everybody else has got to find a way to get that guy into the playoffs. And I'm not sure if I'm going to see it this year. I'm just not sure. Uh, they got a huge game coming up this week against the Raiders. The Raiders are wa- are riding into a two game walk-off winning streak in overtime, taking care of business, not only in Denver with a Devontae Adams walk-off score, but a Josh Jacobs walk-off score in Seattle. Um, which means the Raiders are feeling as good as they possibly can about their, themselves considering the season they've had. So, you know, it, it, if you want me to believe, then find a way to take care of business and put yourself in a position where you might be able to squeak in as a seven seed because Brandon Staley is universally loved by his players and a lot of people in that organization. But at the end of the day, the results have not been what people want them to be over two seasons or one season. Rather. Yeah. Uh, and this season, you, you got to find a way to get in. I get at the injuries. I understand that they've been. If the if the Chargers didn't have bad luck, they've had they'd have no luck. I understand all of that, but no one cares. No one cares. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you, you just have to find a way to get it done. And until they do it, I spent six years before I got, went to ESPN. I spent six years in St. Louis and Missouri working for a, a local there. And Missouri's the show me state. Show me you can do it, and then I'll believe it. Until then, I'm holding withholding judgment.
0: Yeah, it feels like Trey that this year, more than than any since he's become the head coach, Brandon Staley's come under a lot of criticism for yep. not just wins and losses, but even basic game management and things that we go, you know, kind of scratching your head. If you recall, uh, and you'll remember last you know, last year, you and I sat down with one of your friends, uh, Cynthia Freeland, a uh, sure. you know, great friend of the show and the, and the Pro Football Network. And uh, he was the basis for our conversation on analytics, right? Like that was yep. like the thing. That was the, the, you know the the basis of the conversation there and now we're talking about like is he a good enough coach to get this team to the playoffs. Um one thing I wanted to add before we move on to the final team we're going to talk about is that uh Caesars doesn't particularly love their chances to make the playoffs either, right? caesar Sportsbook. They're still favored, if you will, to make the playoffs, but it's only minus 150, right? Yeah. Um, I think now you you have a better chance. Uh, The value is to say that they're not going to make the playoffs. And as you just said, you're leaning towards doubt. The the question is, you know, that's where they have to get to. They have to get to the playoffs. And it's about whether or not you like their chances. You can go make that bet over at Caesar Sportsbook. Uh, And when you do, make sure you use code PFN-CZR. That'll be a risk-free bet for you if it's your first bet ever um, over at Caesar Sportsbook where uh, Mr. Trey Wingo, I believe you are the chief trends officer. That's what they tell me. That's what they tell you. Um, so make sure you go and uh, and place that bet uh, through Caesar Sportsbook right now. It's um, plus one thirty if you don't believe the Chargers are going to make the playoffs, and minus one fifty if you believe they do. If you believe they will, so we'll uh, we'll see how that goes. We got one more team to talk about in our Time to Learn segment, and then we have the great Arif Hassan. Uh, he's in studio, ready to join us to talk about a very interesting topic. Before we get there, Trey, let's talk about the Bucs. All right. The, the, the Tampa yeah. Bay Buccaneers. Uh, you, We said a couple of weeks ago that they're probably going to make the playoffs because their division is just atrocious. But that's really just the, the surface level. Do you believe in them at all? Do we have, Not I mean, really. it sounds like we have pretty good doubts. Talk to me about the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers.
1: Not really. I mean, I mean we, how long have we been saying, oh, the Bucs will separate themselves. The Bucs will separate themselves. The Bucs will separate themselves from everybody in the NFC South. Well, to quote Judge Schmales from Caddyshack, well, we're waiting. You know, I mean, like, wh- when are they going to do it? Like, when are we going to see this magical transformation of of what uh, we're supposed to believe the Bucs are going to be? They have real problems that might not be fixable. You know, uh, Mike Evans is not consistently being the game breaker that they need him to be. Some of that is on Mike, some of that's on Tom Brady, some of that's on everything else. His his targets and receptions have been way down, even though he got to 10,000 receiving yards this past week. You know, They lose in overtime to Cleveland. Their game management, I did not understand what Todd Bowles was doing in the fourth quarter or in overtime. He was basically managing against a Tom Brady interception. Tom Brady does never throw interceptions in the fourth quarter or overtime. And look at his interceptions this year. They're extremely low. I didn't understand any of that. Um, they have massive issues up front. We've talked about this since the beginning of the season. I had so many people that were fans of the Bucks say, oh, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. We got this guy. Well, you're not. You're not fine. The offensive line is not good. It's not good. And now we're dealing with worse out uh, for, for a while. So the offensive line has been a problem. The running game has been sort of in and out, non-existent. Uh, Rashad White, Leonard Fournette, one week, somebody's good, somebody's not good. Um, they, they just have been a very bad football team. And in, in a division where they're five and six, uh, and the Falcons are five and seven, and the Saints and the Panthers are four and eight, I can't say with any great certainty that I feel good about any of those teams. I don't yeah. feel any better about I think the only reason we feel we say we feel better about the Bucs is because who their quarterback is. It's Tom Brady. But the results are what the results are. You yeah. know, the Carolina Panthers, believe it or not might be the team that has the best opportunity to win that division. Why do I say that? They have four wins. Three of them have come inside the division. They're 3-0 and inside the NFC South, including an absolute beatdown of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers a few weeks ago in Carolina. This is a Panthers team that fired their coach, that traded away their best player, and has used 4,317 quarterbacks this year. <laughs> Sam Darnold scored on Sunday in a fire drill. Stop, drop, and roll as he, as he got into the end zone after bobbling a snap. Um, you know, I, I just I don't feel like there's any reason to believe that miraculously all the Bucks' problems are going to be cured. Um, they might be. It's a possibility. But I'm not ruling out anything else. And we got a huge uh, game for them, uh, you know, coming up on Monday night. It's the third straight year, by the way, that the Bucs and Saints are going to meet uh, in a primetime game at home in Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay's outscored 47-3 to in their last two home games they played in primetime against the New Orleans Saints. And here's a crazy number, right? We all think of Tom Brady as this, you know, sort of non-human divinity, right, in the way who he is and the way he plays quarterback. You know what his record is his last 14 regular season primetime games? What's that? He's six and eight. You know what they are against the spread? Two and twelve. Two in the last four. Two and twelve. Now, to be fair, the other side of that is Andy Dalton. And if we're talking about primetime game struggles, Andy Dalton would say to Tom Brady, "Hold my beer." He (laughs) has lost several. Failed. Yeah. Hold my hold my twelve pack. (laughs) He has uh, lost and failed to cover seven straight primetime games. Not that that's important. It just ties for the longest such futility streak since the AFL NFL merger of 1970. So what what we have here on Monday night are two teams that cannot get out of their own way when it comes to trying to figure out how to win a primetime game. And you just don't think about that when you think of Tom Brady. But the reality is, like I said, in his last 14 regular season primetime games, they're a less than Sterling six and eight and two and 12 against the spread.
0: Yeah. A little, little, no fact, the very first article I ever wrote for pro football network three years ago was titled Deconstructing the mythology of Tom Brady. Um, well, no, I know, I know. All right. I'm sorry. All I, mean, right. I mean, like, I, he I like have
1: seven rings. He has every record imaginable in the history I knew. of the NFL. It's just recently he's struggled, he's struggled in primetime games, and the team yeah. has struggled.
0: Yeah, all right, that's right. Wins are not a mythology. QB statue. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, uh, we have Arif asana waiting you. in the studio. I know he. I love you too. Before we get, before we get, bring him in, uh, Trey. I I want to just go back real quick. I've been doing a lot of bets on Caesars. Um, I've been right. I I got an article coming out tonight. I hope you all uh, t- uh, tomorrow morning uh, for Thursday night football. Bills Patriots using my sports betting model to predict big game. It. By the way,
1: really big game. You big know what the game. Bills record is in the AFC East this year? What's that? 0 and 2. Yeah, they haven't won yeah. a division game.
0: Yep. And uh, won a division game. Bill Belichick has had uh, about thirteen weeks of game film now to prepare for Josh Allen, the Bills. We'll see what happens. Check out my article and track my bets on picket. You can track everything that I'm doing on Pickett and. You can find Trey Wingo's Caesars trends and other things for Caesar sports on picket as well by following him. His link to follow him is in the comments. Make sure you go check that out at picket sports, follow him. You'll see some of the stuff that he's got going on for Caesar sports and some of the clips here from our show, everything done at picket. You could track there, engage with us, talk with the betting community, see what the popular consensus on certain bets are. And the best part about it completely free. Download it for free, engage for free, and we'll even throw you a chance to win a hundred bucks just for downloading and using the tracking link in the comments. It takes you right to Trey Wingo. So check that out. All right. Now, without further ado, let's bring in uh, my good buddy Arif Hassan of Pro Football Network, <coughs> who has uh, written a phenomenal. Wow. Brian Mahaffey, by the way, our producer. What a beautiful transition to that screen. I know how yeah, hard that was. That was, that was really good. Yeah. Um, but Arif, welcome, my friend. How are you?
2: I'm good. I'm good. Happy to be back. It's been, uh, unfortunately, it's been a bit. Yeah, Arif, is- I, I like the
1: studio setup there. You got the sound deadening on the wall, you've got a giant microphone. That's
0: <laughs> solid. I told Thank you, I Trey, you. that he's he does have, don't let his first appearance fool you. He's got, yeah, no, I was, on.
2: I was abroad on that first appearance. I couldn't bring same my same here, with me. so I understand. Yeah. I understand. yeah.
0: Um, you know Arif we you you wrote a great article following the uh, Packers Eagles game uh, and the way that Jordan Love had come in in relief of an injured Aaron Rodgers and kind of what he showcased and you know you raised the question given the uh, Packers record given the ticking clock on Jordan Love um, Aaron Rodgers you know you know guys should he be the starter of the Green Bay Packers moving forward kind of where they stand now Arif? you want to kind of give us a little bit of What led to you writing an article with that as the main topic?
2: Yeah, I I think that when you're dealing with, uh, you know, an elite quarterback with the history that he has, just like the Tom Brady discussion you just had, it's really difficult to have this conversation without falling into kind of like holding on to the past, falling into holding on to, you know, the ability to turn things around. What's made it even more complicated, of course, is how Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers have answered these questions in the past, 2013, 2015. You know, they've done pretty good things turning things around. But right now, Aaron Rodgers is playing injured, two injuries, the thumb and the oblique, or I think it's listed as a rib injury, Uh, during his injury. So he got injured uh, late in uh, week five against the Giants. Uh, In the following weeks, the Packers are one in six. He is ranked 20th in adjusted net yards per attempt, about the same in expected points. He has not been playing very well as a passer. That may be his fault. That may be someone else's fault. It could be the receivers. Certainly he is willing to blame the players around him and implicitly blame the coaches by saying, you know, these players should be benched for making mental errors. And he's not really taking responsibility for what could be his role. We've seen him throw errant passes. He has thrown more picks than we're used to seeing from him. He has thrown short of the mark. He has thrown wide of the mark. It has been really difficult to watch someone like him do what he can do, especially because sometimes you'll pepper in some of the best throws you've ever seen. We even saw that uh, last week against the Eagles. It is tough, but um, given the fact that they were one in six while he was the quarterback, I understand why he wanted to push through. I mean, quarterbacks with his mentality always push through, right? They always try. It's how you get to become a hall of fame level quarterback, but after game three or four, first he should have just not aired the dirty laundry about, you know, what he felt about his teammates. But second um, he should have taken a serious look at what he can do best for the team around him. Right. He is an obligation to the 52 players that are also on the team as well as the coaching staff uh, and and to his own contract. Right. And in order to do that, he needed to set up the team for either the best chances to win right now, which right now are kind of moot. They're almost mathematically eliminated or the best chance to to set up for the future because these teammates are going to be here longer than he is right mm. and the best way to do that is to evaluate what you have in in Jordan Love in fact Jordan Love might be a better quarterback right now because of the injuries that Aaron Rodgers has uh might be a better quarterback right now for the Packers than Aaron Rodgers especially because they want to be such a run heavy team and he can add such an exciting element to that so the the thesis of the article was basically that that Rodgers has been Uncom- i shouldn't say uncommonly selfish but has been too focused on himself and what he can do and not what is best for the team trey
0: where, yeah. where are you standing on that especially you know we, we saw what jordan love came in he, he he sparked the offense for sure when he came in on sunday but that we see that a lot when when quarterbacks went for relief where, where are you at on this aaron Rodgers thing because you you've been following aaron Rodgers closely as we all have but you in particular for years
1: Yeah, let's take it one step further. And and I think Arif laid out a lot of really interesting things in that article. What's the Packers' responsibility? Forget Aaron Rodgers' responsibility. What's the Packers' responsibility as an organization to those other 52 players? What's the Packers' responsibility as an organization to the fan base? What's the Packers' responsibility to the future of this franchise? You know, they have, because he had the hammer and he could swing it, they have sort of deferred to Aaron Rodgers over the organization. Well, that's that's gone. Those days are done. Like Her Brooks in Miracle, it's over. Okay, those days are done. If if we're being honest about it, the best thing the Packers as an organization can do is find out whether or not Jordan Love is worthy of what they did for him in the 2020 draft, which is to say move up in the first round to get him when you had Aaron Rodgers still on your roster. It was a very curious decision at the draft in 2020, and it obviously had a lot of uh, repercussions, uh, especially with Aaron. Yeah. But now, to Arif's point, he has a broken thumb. He has a, a, a either rib or oblique or abdominal injury. He thought he might've had a punctured lung. You know, he went on the Pat McAfee show and said, Hey, I got good news. I can play. Is that good news? Is it? I mean, I, I guess it is. If you're playing the bears, you know, he's 24 and five against them. He's won seven straight against the bears in that seven game winning streak. He's thrown 18 touchdowns and no interceptions, (laughs) but, but at the end of the day, if the Packers are honest with themselves and I'm not sure if they want to be, They need to find out what they have in Jordan Love. And when, like, Aaron a few years ago said R-E-L-A-X, relax, right? Here's a new letter, five-letter word, T-O-A-S-T, toast. That's what the Packers (laughs) are this year. They're not making the postseason. It's not happening, okay? So they need to know, is Jordan Love going to be the person and the quarterback we thought he was going to be when we moved up to draft him, or isn't he? And this is the absolute perfect time for them to find that out. And it's going to take someone with big ones to stand up and say, hey, I think it's great that you want to play Aaron Rodgers. And I think it's phenomenal that you got good news. But we need to find out where we're going when you're not here. And we need to play Jordan Love to find out the answer to that question.
0: Arif, what what is it that you think prevents Matt LaFleur from being that guy with big one.
1: Well, I, I mean, it's not Matt LaFleur. I mean, Arif will tell you, it goes way beyond Matt, right? Oh, oh, yeah. Well,
0: who, who is oh. it? Where, where, where's the issue?
1: Mark Murphy, the Brian Gutenkoos, yeah. the, the front office and the team president.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. It, it, it goes to the fact that Aaron Rodgers is very aware, probably more than most quarterbacks, probably more than most elite quarterbacks, how important politics is to these sorts of decisions and how the relationships that you build help you in, in times like these and your ability to have a, you know, a say in, in what's happening in the organization. I mean, that's a, that's a big part of it. Now, obviously if, uh, if Matt LaFleur makes a decision, right for that game, for that decision will be his, you'll be able to make it what happens afterwards, who knows. Right. And, And so he needs the support of the organization behind him to be able to make that decision. And I, you know, who is, was it? Ben McAdoo that benched Eli Manning? I was just about to bring that up. It, yeah. I mean, technically it
1: was, but it wasn't right. Right. Do right. you really believe that Ben McAdoo was like, hey, you know, you had the longest active uh, starting streak in the NFL, and, uh, you know, I'm going to bench you for Geno Smith, not current Geno Smith, not, yeah, then, not this Geno Smith, then Geno Smith. <laughs> yeah. Okay. If you don't think everybody in the Giants organization didn't say, yeah, go ahead with that. You're smoking or you're you're taking ayahuasca with Aaron Rodgers. OK, <laughs> like there's there is no way Ben frickin McAdoo did that on his own. So, so He hadn't so, had the blessings of everybody else in that organization. And here's the hey,
2: problem. When that didn't go right, everybody in the organization pretended that he did not have those blessings. Correct. Oh, and then, and then I don't know. He did McAdoo that on McAdoo. his own. He went rogue, man. Was crazy. Yeah. He went rogue. You know so what happened? He started when, uh... slicking his
0: hair back. We couldn't control him anymore. <laughs> yeah, <right>.
2: yeah. <laughs> you know what happened when Brad Childress actually did something on his own and cut a rent—not Rand- the current, you know—not the Randy Moss that set records with the Vikings, but right. the second time around, Randy Moss. Ziggy will fired him right away. Yeah. <laughs> You can't just do that. You can't do that with players uh, that have that history with your organization. You need to have everybody behind you. But, you know, that organization has a vested interest in making sure, like you said, they figure out what they have in, in Jordan Love. And it's not just, hey, do we have a quarterback? You know, do we need to make a first round pick again if this quarterback is? They They could trade Aaron Rodgers or Jordan Love at the end of the season. The only way they can do that is if they know and maybe the rest of the league knows how good Jordan Love is. Because Jordan Love looks Correct. like a franchise quality quarterback. They could trade him for a first round. Well, let pick.
0: me, let, let me jump in here for a second. Cause I want to ask a question about that, this, right? Hold on
1: real quick. That's a great yep. point. Like what, what Arif just said is an amazing point because not only does it benefit the Packers in terms of whether or not he can play, it benefits their ability to make that pick work for them. If he's not going to play for them.
2: Yeah. And it could help out Aaron Rodgers, right? Like that's the, that's right. the thing. But, is if you clear out the way, was it going to be like $16 million in cap space or something like that? Yeah. Well, that's clear- what I'm going to say here, guys, because Aaron Rodgers just
0: signed a massive contract with massive loads of guaranteed money. Where does that factor into all of this?
2: I mean, well, it's, it's huge, right? Like if, if you want to say, Hey, Aaron, you know, we, we know that you want the support of the organization. We know that you've been frustrated with the team that you have around you. We understand that there is a cap space problem. One way we could relieve this cap space problem is to, to trade away Jordan Love. Only way we can do that is if we play him. And uh, that frees up enough cap space for us to be able to say, hey, you know, we can bring in a receiver. Hey, we've got another first-round pick. We can bring in another offensive lineman. Hey, we've got another second-round pick. We can bring in another receiver, right? Hmm. You can tell Aaron Rodgers this. Or you could say, hey, Aaron, you want to go to one of the best teams in the country that does not have a quarterback? You want to go to the same offensive system? Hey, the Jets are calling. You can do either and, and, and set uh, Rodgers up to be in the situation that he might want to be in, even if in the short term this is kind of a hit to his ego and his pride, and you don't have to. You you could just say, "Hey, we would love to start Aaron Rodgers, but the the rib injury and the finger injury right now it's too much. You all heard the news. He needs surgery on that thumb. Let's get that started right away so he can be ready for next year, right? Yeah. So you I mean, they preserve have the out.
1: Part. Yeah, they have the out. It's right there for them. Someone just has to step up and take it.
2: Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So, uh, you know, either you work out something with whatever team that might want to trade for Aaron Rodgers, figure out what the cap situation is going to be, how much of that team is going to take on to the cap, restruct, whatever, right? Or you trade Jordan Love. Either of those could work out really well for the Packers. But the only way you can do that is to play Jordan Love and to gi- give them enough of a save. Because right now he has 18 pass attempts. Good pass attempts. He's averaging, what, like 10 yards an attempt? Great. 18 yeah. pass attempts, right? Not enough. Yeah, you, you so basically you 150.
0: So, so basically what we're saying is, right, is that uh, someone's got to get traded, and the only way that that comes to a resolution is if Jordan Love plays, right? I mean, that's really yeah. yeah. what it's about.
2: Yeah, I mean, you well, could, I mean, in theory, trade Jordan Love without playing him, but you're not going to get the same amount. You're absolutely yeah. not.
1: Yeah. Go ahead, Trey. It, it's the benefit of the organization. Again, they, the organization needs to come first at this point. They 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 went down the river with Aaron Rodgers when they gave him all the money yep. and which means Devonte Adams wasn't going to be there. So they they decided we're on this journey with you, Aaron, for 2022 with the contract that we signed you at, signed you to at some point. They need to be responsible for everybody else in that organization, because the worst case scenario is Rogers limps through the end of the regular season has some good throws, has some bad throws, has some good games, has some bad games. And then the Packers win three games, and they finished seven and ten. And now, does Aaron Rodgers want to come back to an organization that is bereft of talent, that doesn't have Devontae Adams, and does he want to go somewhere else? And now you can't officially evaluate Jordan Love because you didn't play him. Mm. Like, it's, it's a mess. Everything... Everything that's beneficial for everybody, everybody in this yeah. scenario, is to play Jordan Love.
2: And the decision yeah. on that fifth-year option is coming soon. Now, that's not Thank you. critical, right? You could always franchise him, right? But you don't want, like, you don't want to be there, right? You, yeah. you, that you don't decision want is to be on the Kirk soon.
1: Cousins road.
2: Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, and also it just, it's, it is, it's always more, right. It's always the fifth year option decision is always more than the amount of money that you're giving. It's, it's a sign of commitment and it's a sign of confidence in a player. Right. Um, so they need to make that decision on the fifth year option. If they don't make that decision, if they say, Hey, we haven't seen you play, you know, we're going to, we're going to defer on this decision and then we're going to franchise you. I mean, that just, you you're already you've all you're you're batting O for two on relationships with your quarterbacks, right? <laughs> <That's now>. Correct <laughs> like, you start this one off on the right foot, I think. Yeah.
1: Technically O for three, because I'm sure Brett Farr wasn't thrilled when they drafted Aaron Rodgers.
0: <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Uh this is not a new problem. Um, and, and by the way, B Olivier23 watching us on Twitch asking, you know, can you guys let us know when question time is? You can get your questions in now. We'll answer them uh following our qu- time, quarterback yeah, matchup yeah. conversation towards the end there. Um Arif. So great to have you back. Very excited to see what we're going to talk about next week based on all the amazing things you write over at ProFootballNetwork.com. Uh, you can follow Arif on Twitter at Arif Hassan NFL, at Arif Hasan NFL, over on the uh, Twitter app, assuming Twitter exists this time next week. We'll see. Um, Arif, thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. I had a lot of fun. All right. All um, right. Love when Arif joins us, Trey. That was a great uh, great conversation. It was awesome.
1: Like he's he that was a really good discussion and a really good article he put out there.
0: Yeah, he's got some good thought-provoking uh things out there. But let's uh and and be Olivier23 promptly got his question in there. We'll talk about that uh towards the end here. Um, let's uh let's make our way to our underdog fantasy super smash quarterback matchup of the week. We got two of them this week. This one is a battle of the proteges, I think. Let's see what we got. All right, Battle of the Proteges, because both of these quarterbacks are have found their, their thriving abilities in the Kyle Shanahan offense. Tua now with Mike McDaniel, Jimmy G continuing to be with Kyle Shanahan and and keeping the 49ers in contention. Big matchup this week for both teams, Trey. How do you see it? Well,
1: what's the old boxing analogy? Styles make fights. There right? go. Styles make fights. We have two teams that win in completely different styles. Let's just take the 49ers. We are a big, bruising football team. We play physical on the offensive line. We play physical with our front seven. And we have a lot of different ways to attack your offense from a defensive standpoint. And we have a couple of good weapons on offense. And Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel and George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk. And all we want to do is beat you to a pulp and ask our quarterback to not lose the game for us in Jimmy Garoppolo. Then you have the Miami Dolphins. We need our quarterback to make every play for us. And he's done that. The Miami Dolphins have not lost a game in which Tua has started the game and finished the game this year. Uh, The only losses they had, uh, the Thursday night game against the Bengals where he had his second concussion in four days and never should have seen the field. And then he had to sit out a couple of games. So you have two teams That win in completely different ways. Both are incredibly successful. Both are very good at what they do, and we're going to find out uh, this Sunday uh, whether one style is better than the other. And I, you know, lost in all of the you know the quarterback situations, and it's the protege against uh, you know the teacher and Mike McDaniel and Kyle Shanahan. The other thing that is not talked about enough. Is the Miami defense. Mm. The Miami defense is great at home. They're great at home. But they are so pedestrian on the road, it's not even funny. <laughs> yeah. Like you look at the splits, go look at the numbers between the way the Miami Dolphins defense plays when they play uh, in Fort Lauderdale and look at the numbers when they play away. It is a completely different unit. Like it's not even remotely close. So that's the thing that I'm curious about more than anything else, because, you know, this is one of those, Mike McDaniel knows everything that the 49ers are going to try and do to them. And Kyle Shanahan knows everything that Mike McDaniel wants to do to them. So that sort of washes it out. The thing for me that I'm most interested in, in this contest is will the dolphins defense be good because they're great at home and they are exceedingly average when they have to go on the road.
0: Yeah. And one of the areas that they've struggled the most in is, is making tackles. And that's, a yeah. thing you cannot is that, a, do is that. that,
1: is that important for a defense? I'm not sure.
0: You know what? I think so. Unless it's the yeah. quarterback, then you just want to, Lightly touch them, um, yeah. but yes, the so it, it, it definitely is a situation. And to your point, in terms of styles, when you go to underdog fantasy and and you play their pick 'em game, uh, again, that's higher or lower uh, on certain stats for for different players, and you and you put those players together, have a chance to win twenty times, you know, your money on that. Uh, for Tua Trey, they have the higher or lower set at two hundred and eighty point five passing yards. Jimmy Good. G is all the way down to two hundred and forty three point five. So that, does, he get, does he get to 200, right? That's the like, question, right? Right.
1: You know, I mean, in, in a perfect scenario, now the uh, the Elijah Mitchell injury hurts them yeah, uh, a little bit. Uh, but, you know, in, in a perfect scenario, like they went to a Super Bowl where he threw eight, was it eight passes in that NFC Championship game? Was it yes. eight or 13? I can't yeah, remember. It was, eight, seven, it, was like, eight, it
0: was
2: eight.
1: It was eight passes. He threw yeah. the ball eight times, yeah. okay? If Tua doesn't throw the ball eight times in a quarter, The Dolphins have no chance of winning
0: on a drive sometimes, right? Yeah. I mean like
1: (laughs) that, that's, that's the beauty of it. Styles make fights and that's, what's going to make this so much fun. And by the way, this is the start. Let me run this up real quick. This is sort of a brutal schedule for the Miami Dolphins. Let's just, let's bring this up. Okay. They start uh, Sunday in San Francisco. Then they stay in California to play the chargers, good chargers, bad chargers, who knows? Then they go to Buffalo. Then they're home for Green Bay and they finish up at New England and against the Jets. So yeah. that's a pretty, that's a like every, for everything that's gone right for everybody in the AFC, whether it's the Chiefs, whether it's the Bills, whether it's the Dolphins, whether it's the Ravens, whether it's the Bengals, it's all coming out in the wash over these final six weeks. And I, and I just, we'll get into the other quarterback matchup in a second, but I, I think this is a good time to bring this up because when you play your toughest opponents matters, right? Yep. So we had some people do the research here. Here's the strength of schedule left for all the top seeds in the AFC, the Kansas city chiefs, the number one seed as we speak, even though they have a very tough game we'll get into in a second in Cincinnati, they have the easiest schedule remaining in the NFL. Their team, the rest of the teams they'll play are combined 3.73 winning percentage. The Baltimore Ravens have the second easiest schedule in the NFL, uh, a 40.403 winning percentage. Everybody, the LA chargers, 44% winning percentage the rest of their schedule. Seventh easiest schedule. Here's where it gets interesting. The Tennessee Titans, who are going to win that division in the AFC South, just a matter of what the number is, they have the 15th toughest schedule. And here's where it gets fun. The Bills schedule, 552 winning percentage, 10th toughest. The Dolphins schedule, 567 winning percentage the rest of the way, eighth toughest. The Patriots 582 winning percentage, Oof. the sixth toughest. And here's where it gets fascinating. The Bengals and the Jets, their remaining schedule, 591 winning percentage, tied for the fourth toughest schedule in football in the rest of the in the rest of the way. So yeah. All these things that we've talked about heading into the final third of the season, because week 13 through 18, final six games of the regular season. It all in the AFC, and in the NFC in some degree as well, because the NFC East is going to cannibalize each other these last few weeks. It all comes down to how you finish. And and that's what I think is most fascinating. So the Miami Dolphins, the meat of their schedule starts now. It starts now.
0: Yep, and uh, and for what it's worth, guys, with with Underdog, I'm taking Tua – on this difficult schedule the the best defense in the NFL and the and the the toughest defense on his schedule I'm taking him to take the higher on those passing yards believe it or not and Jimmy G like Trey said forget 243.5 which is what underdog has it set at we'd be, we'd be surprised if he gets the 200' be, be happy, happy if through he
1: 180.
0: yeah so uh I'm gonna take the lower on that And again that's on underdog fantasy make sure you enter uh promo code PFn when you download the underdog fantasy app to play that but not just yet, because we got one more for you, though you might want to add that to to your to your lineup here for underdog fantasy, because we got one more Super Smash QB matchup. Let's get it, Ryan. Now, this, Trey, this is the marquee matchup of the week. All offseason, all beginning of the season, we talked a lot about the Chiefs-Bills, Chiefs and Bills, Chiefs and Bills, Mahomes and Allen, Mahomes and Allen. But, Trey, going back to last season, this is the rivalry in the AFC, and the Bengals are not so far behind the Bills or any other team that they're not going to make this a tough game for the Chiefs, in your opinion. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. Look, here's the way I sort of preface the Cincinnati Bengals, and we talked about this a little last week. In quiet moments in Miami and in Kansas City and in Buffalo, I think the team that really concerns people is the Cincinnati Bengals. They can win a lot of different ways. They can they can light it up through the air. It looks like Jamar Chase is going to play on Sunday uh, with, the, with the three receivers they have. With Joe Mixon and Shemaze Pirine, uh, they have a two-headed monster attack, and it looks like Mixon is going to play Sunday uh, when the Chiefs come to the jungle. And then their defense is much better than people think. And the offensive line has gotten a lot better. I just don't know if the Buffalo, if the uh, Bengals are actually making the playoffs. Like, if they make the playoffs, no one wants to play them. Let's go through their schedule real quick. Okay. I said it was the fourth toughest. Here's their schedule down the way Chiefs, nine and two, best record in the AFC. Then they get Cleveland, second game back with Deshaun Watson. Then they go to Tampa to take on the Bucks. Then they go to New England to take on the Patriots. Then they have Buffalo. And then they finish up with the Ravens at the jungle week 18. That game week 18 might be not only for the division crown between Baltimore and Cincinnati, but it might be a situation where win and you need to get in to the postseason. And if you don't win, you might not make the postseason, depending on what the Chargers do. And that's what I think is fascinating about about the Cincinnati Bengals. Their best is as good or better than anybody else's. But will it be enough considering the schedule they have to play? Yeah. Uh, and this will be the third meeting over the last two seasons between these two teams with their quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs and Joe Burrow and, and the Bengals. Bengals are 2-0. Oh. Week 17 last year and the AFC Championship game. And in each of those games, the Chiefs had 14-point first-half leads. They led by 11 at the break in each one of those games and failed to win because they were held to three points in the second half of each of those games. And the Bengals went on to win by three. The Bengals come into this one hot. They've won three in a row. They have won and covered their last five games in the months of November and December. But you know what the Chiefs think about that? That's adorable. Because (laughs) the Chiefs have won 26 straight games in the months of November and December. In case you're wondering, yeah, that's the longest streak in NFL history. Over that time frame. It's not even close by the widest of possible margins. Then you factor in this one. No team and no quarterback has ever beaten Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs three straight times. That's why the Chiefs are a two-point road favorite uh, going into this game in Cincinnati, which is really a five-point swing because you get three points for home field advantage, right? So um, nothing would surprise me in this game. I think at some point the law of averages catches up and the Chiefs uh find a way to win. But if the Bengals won this game, by the way, if the Chiefs win this game, I, I don't think there's any way they don't get home field advantage. Yeah, uh, they'll be 10 and two. Uh the really the last toughest game on their schedule is going to be uh the Seahawks, although the Seahawks may be falling apart a little bit right now. And you know, uh, in push comes to shove, are you are you taking Geno Smith? Are you taking Patrick Mahomes? Think uh, they taking Patrick
0: Mahomes. Yeah.
1: Uh, and, and just another thing about Mahomes, real quick, he's thrown for 300 yards in six straight games. If he throws for 300 against the Bengals, which I fully expect him to do, it would be seven straight games. And then he would be the first quarterback in the history of the NFL to have two straight or two different seven game, 300 yard passing game streaks in NFL history. He threw for eight straight in the year he won the MVP in 2018. And only two other quarterbacks, Drew Brees and Andrew Luck, have ever had one seven-game streak. If he gets it on Sunday, it'll be his second seven-game, 300-passing-yard streak uh, of his career. And his career is just getting started.
0: Yeah. I, I will tell you, Trey, there's a piece I'm not going to write for Pro Football Network, and it's going to be called Deconstructing the Mythology of Patrick <laughs> Mahomes, because there is no mythology here. People he just, just need
1: to under, embrace it, man. Like, Yeah,
0: he, he is the real deal.
1: Look, like – what other quarterback loses Tyreek Hill and has a 400 yard passing lead on every other quarterback in the NFL? Could you name half the receivers he's throwing to? He's thrown touchdown passes to 12 different people this year. Yeah. 12 different people he's thrown a touchdown pass to in the NFL this year. No one else has done that. Um, you know, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, they're going to be a little banged up again at wide receiver, but it doesn't matter. Like, it didn't matter like, last week. We talk- yeah, it didn't matter last week. Sky Moore, by the way, two straight weeks he's had five receptions and at least seven targets or eight targets, rather. That's a good thing. That's a yeah. good thing. He just shouldn't be shouldn't returning punts anymore.
0: I've um, I've asked Coach Reed to to let me line up at a wide receiver just so I can get in on the action. I think Patrick Mahomes could turn me into a one hundred yard guy. He would um, probably find you at least once. I think so. So, uh, <laughs> so, uh, but we'll see. But look uh, to to your point about these three hundred yard passing games for Patrick Mahomes. The folks over at Underdog Fantasy. Uh, see it similarly in fact they fully expect him to throw for at least 300 they've set the higher or lower tray at 345.5 uh, passing yards uh, in fact they've also included rushing yards into that total and we know Patrick Holmes is good for a scramble or two um, every that, week that,
1: that, that's interesting right because let me just take a look at something here real quick
0: Patrick Mahomes
1: for the season let's take a look at his stats here for a second for the season, Patrick Mahomes is averaging uh in twenty twenty-two. He's averaging where I didn't get this. Let's oh, drive me crazy. Sorry, I apologize here. Keep talking for a second and I'll uh this is what we I'll call vamping in the
0: in the in the biz. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: No, it's uh it's eleven yeah. games, three three five, eight, five divided by eleven. Let's do that. Hold on.
0: Yeah. You do that. Let me also just give you real quick Joe Burrows. Hey, yeah, uh, give him a read, brother. So, his, his higher lower is 288.5 passing yards for Joe Burrow. Um, and you add two of those. We talked about two in Jimmy. You get your four uh, players in your lineup there. That'll get you 10x your money if all four do what you think they're going to do. Um, and you add a fifth player in there, you get up to 20x. That's over at Underdog Fantasy. Use code. P-F-N, when you download the app, we're giving you – no one's giving you numbers the way we're giving you numbers here. Trey is literally doing calculus right now as we yeah. Yeah, he's, he's
1: averaging for the season 326 passing yards per game. But I think it's even crazier than that. I want to go for his career. Yeah. His career number is absolutely insane. I think he's the only quarterback in the history of the NFL to average uh, more than 300 yards passing for his career. Let's see. 22 576.
0: Wasn't joking about the calculus. That's, that's yeah, he's,
1: he's averaging 305 yards a game in his career. Like yeah. a 300 yard passing game. It's funny. Like, if you, I, I don't know how much you listen to uh Kevin Burkhalter and, and Greg Olson calling the game last week. They're oh, the Rams are doing a really good job with Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> and he threw for 340 yards, yeah. you know, they just they, they bogged him down in the red zone, and Patrick made a ridiculous. Uh, Interception in the red zone. He could have walked in for a touchdown there.
0: That would have. And he knew it the second he let that ball go. He was pissed off. He he
1: he he had three yards to go. Just stroll into the end zone, and it's an easy touchdown. And he wanted to get one, get another one to Kelsey. By the way, that's the other thing. Kelsey is in his eleventh season. He's better now than he's ever been. He has more touchdowns and games played this year.
0: Yeah, it's it, it's it's wild. And, you know, the absence of Tyreek Hill, you know that Patrick's going to be looking for him and they still uh, can't get it done. And by the way, underdog got his receiving yard total at 81.5 for Travis Kelsey, higher or lower 81.5 yards. Maybe he's the fifth player that you folks want to put into your underdog lineup to get your payout up to 20x. If you hit on all of those, so Mahomes, uh Burrow, our first QB matchup, Tua and Jimmy. Throw Travis Kelsey in there and uh and see what comes out again. That's underdog fantasy super smash qb matchup of the week here at Pro Football Network Football can Insiders. I, download the can app. Can I just say one
1: other thing about Mahomes here, which is fascinating if you look at the numbers?
0: You I you usually don't want to talk about Patrick Mahomes, so I know, but I mean, like
1: you know, his first year he played one game and he completed 63% of his passes, all right. One game. Right. All right. So as a starter, 2018, 2019, 2020, 21, 22, I find this fascinating. In 2018, he completed 66% of his passes. In 2019, he completed 65.9% of his passes. In 2020, he completed 66.3% of his passes. In 2021, he completed 66.3% of his passes. And right now in 2022, he's completing 66.1% of his passes.
0: Yeah. That is
1: so ridiculously consistent. Like, I don't I don't know if I've ever seen anybody be on the number, that number. Like <laughs> it's just know that going in, he's gonna complete two-thirds of his passes in every game yeah. he every game he plays. He's going to complete two-thirds of his passes. That's the yeah. standard.
0: Uh he is one of one, as yeah. they say, Mr. Patrick Mahomes. Uh Trey, before we get out of here, we do got two questions from our uh incredible audience. I mentioned before our our, our guy B. Olivier23 over on yeah. Twitch. Uh, wants to know, how and will my Lions make the playoffs? So will they make the playoffs, Trey? And if they do, how is it that they're going to get there?
1: Uh, how? No, no chance. Will? Absolutely not. Um, okay. the, the, the Lions are four and seven. Oh, no, you're not. There's no, no I'm not. I'm saying there's no chance. Yeah. Look, we'll, we'll, well, let's just for fun here, we'll do this, right? Well, I'm in the AFC. Let's go to the NFC. Right now the Lions are in the 10th spot, which means you're going to have to leapfrog uh, Philadelphia is at 1, Vikings are at 2, 49ers are at 3, Bucks are at 4, Cowboys are at 5, Giants are at 6 and the Commanders are at 7. Seahawks are at 8, the Falcons are at 9 and the Lions are sitting there in 10. Uh the Packers are at 11. Sure, have stranger things happened, maybe just don't see it. I just don't see it. Look, I I, I do believe that things are improving for the Lions. Yeah. Uh I did not like a couple of things in the Thursday game. Uh, I hated the the use of the timeouts down at the stretch. And I hated on third and one running a go route to your fourth best wide receiver. How about get the first down and then, you know, take the timeout, save 12 seconds, get sure. the first down, and then you're not panicked to take a, sh- a rail shot when you didn't need it. You yeah. didn't need it. You just needed a yard. You didn't need a touch then there. You needed a freaking yard. Yeah. Uh, that bothered me. But I do think the Lions are are headed in the right direction. And, you know, they get Jamison Williams. He's practicing this week. I don't think he's going to play uh, this Sunday, but I think he's going to play sooner rather than later. And that's, you know, put him opposite opposite uh, Amon Ra and then the two-headed running backs of, of uh, Jamal Williams and Swift, and you, you got something there.
0: Yeah. Uh, my, my model tray had the Lions covering that nine-and-a-half point spread, but I tweeted out during the game, I said, there's three things you can't do if you want to upset being uh, a nine-and-a-half point underdog, and you can't have a turnover – you can't give up a safety and and you can't uh you know give give up a special teams touchdown. I think the Lions did all three of those things. So uh no shock that they lost, but those are the crucial mistakes that they yep. continue to make that hurt them, uh, that Dan Campbell needs to get figured out um as we go along. We got another question here. Uh, you mentioned a couple of those NFC East teams, uh, three of them in that playoff run here. Who cannibalizes itself first? The AFC East or the NFC? beast I would oh, say I the a- yeah you see that
1: well it's interesting right because um the Mike White thing changes things in the AFC East we'll see what happens yeah um, he played great by the way he's going up against another Minnesota Vikings defense that isn't really good I mean they're not really good
0: yeah
1: uh the Jets are a three-point dog in that one but they've won five times this season uh as uh when when, when laying points um but I I I am a little I, I think that the NFC East might cannibalize itself a little bit first. Um, uh, for example, the Washington Heineke's are going to the MetLife Stadium to play the Giants this week. Uh, and they're so two just and just point favorite. You can,
0: you can say the Washington Heineke's, but Bucca Brady's is off limits. Yes. Okay. Now I just absolutely want to make sure I know the rules.
1: Well, because Bucca Brady's is a bastardization <laughs> of two words. And I just, I just took two words that were actual words and put them together. That's
0: fair. That's fair. Okay? It's true. It's fair. Okay. If,
1: if, if the only thing worse, if you had said Tampa Bay Bucca Brady's would have been just oh. terrible. Oh, would have been okay, just yeah. terrible. Okay. Um, But anyway, like, I, I'm not sure the Giants finish third in that division right now. They may finish no? fourth. Yeah. You think? Um, Giants are in real trouble.
0: They're falling apart. Okay? They
1: only, they only have one way to win. And that is Saquon Barkley, Daniel Jones, don't mess it up, and pray your defense makes enough tackles. Yeah. Okay? Uh, Terry McLaren is really good, and Taylor Heineke has made him a player. They're physical. Washington's physical up front. Uh, I think it's more likely that the Giants finish fourth than they finish second in that division.
0: Yeah. I uh, I tweeted out earlier that the the uh the, the commanders are uh scoring forty percent more points per minute with Heineke as the quarterback compared to when Wentz was the quarterback. And I have them uh probably winning you know, my touchdown this Sunday.
1: You know, by the way, Brett, if he keeps that up, eventually one day the Washington commanders will honor Taylor Heineke with a wire mannequin.
0: Oh man, it, what a disgrace that uh it- it's That's a shame
1: a, no, because the the team itself like the players and the coaches they're great. They the organization are. is an embarrassment. They are. That 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 statue for Sean Taylor was like, "Oh crap, my midterm assignment is due tomorrow." Oh shit, I got to whip something together. It's like they went to Dick Sporting Goods, got a mannequin money. and yeah. took out a Nike jersey and Reebok pants from when and just slapped it together. Yeah. It was the worst it gets but to it again point. the organization is the, the worst, worst. Yeah. so no one should be surprised
0: it, it gets to the point where you think they're they do it on purpose now they're they're just trolling everybody oh,
1: daniel snyder might he's 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 that, he's that guy. guy he's that guy he might he might just do it on purpose he's yeah. absolutely i've told you the vanilla ice cream story right
0: you have yes
1: yeah he's that yeah. guy yeah he's that guy
0: yeah, uh, one day I'll 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 drop my conspiracy theory as to how he came up on the name Commanders, but that's a that'll be a different. Go see Handmaid's Tale, but that'll be a different conversation for a different day with that organization. Anyway, um, that'll do it for our Week Thirteen uh, episode of Football Insiders. There will be a Week Fourteen. We continue to show up here week after week on a Wednesday at eight p.m. Eastern Standard Time, whether Trey's at the airport uh, or I'm stuck here in the Northeast, we'll be here. Um, And we look forward to having a reef back next week, Trey, and we'll get some more. We'll kind of see what we learn from this week. Each week we're learning something new about these teams. And as you said, during Thanksgiving week, this is the time of year where these teams start to separate themselves and cement their places going into the postseason. And we'll see just who does that. Starting with tomorrow night, Bill's Patriots. Uh, Trey, safe travels, my friend. Uh, Can't wait to see the sunny landscapes you'll be bringing to my my computer screen soon, and, and we'll talk soon.
1: You got it, buddy. Thanks, Brett. See you, everybody. Bye,